2: We are doing this every Tuesday they need to come hang out with mooch and the misses.
3: That is called fascism. okay he is a fascist leader. He's
2: his own worst enemy. He's creating his own problems. You know, he's like one of those people who can't get out of their own way.
3: I don't want to be one of those it's like kind of Trump like, haters. Okay, I just want to it. make... Everyone is a product of their upbringing and their personal loyalties. I'm a human being, and I probably got overtaken by the excitement of him winning. The minute you called me to say, boom, as soon as I got that, boom, I called you right back. Anyway, you, you, you lose hit the me. argument.
2: All the ladies out there... My
3: mother's like, why are you cursing so much? I'm like, ma... Where do you think I learned it from?
2: We do this podcast. I go into the city. We have dinners together or we'll travel. We spend time to be together as yes. a couple and a family and as business partners and I feel like it really helps us.
3: You still love me? I do. Okay. Do you, you still God. love me? Very much.
2: Okay. I don't know if you have, I mean, let's Very let much go my there.
3: liberal hot wife. <laughs>
2: All
3: right, so that's a, a 1970s. Oh. Uh, we we did this podcast general in the 1970s <laughs> and so he, he, he uncovered that, our producer. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
3: but ladies and gentlemen, we're going to introduce a retired Major General Marta Carcana uh, from the U.S. Army, but also now the Outreach Director for Vets EDU. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Mooch and the Mrs. General. Great, Great to have you on.
2: Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Yes. This is a perfect time of year to have you on. We're and thank, very focused and, yep. on veterans. And thank
3: you for your service yes. to the country. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about your career, if you don't mind. I mean, you uh, you you were raised, you're Hispanic American. We don't play identity politics here, but I think it's very interesting. You're Hispanic American. You rose to the level of being a, uh, a student uh, and major general in the U.S. Army. Tell us about your career a little bit, and then we'll get into the uh, charity that you're working on now.
0: Okay, uh, I'll tell you, uh, I'll I'll start that in 1972, my mother decided we were going to move to New York City. You know, like many uh, people just move looking for, for a better life for their kids. So I went to live in Brooklyn, New York. I went to Eastern District High School. At that time, they used to call us educated dummies. It was like, okay, mm, here's my new nice. school.
2: <laughs> That's a wet, very <laughs> welcoming. There was, no,
0: there was no bullying at that time, so it was like it was it was it was okay. We had to take it. So I went to Eastern District High School. Graduated from. I was an Arista member, which means that uh, that uh, even though I came from the island, I. Uh, I took pride and I took care of, of getting good grades and I graduated like, uh, but uh, we were very good average. I went into New York City community college. Uh, When I was on the Island, I wanted to be a doctor, but then now I wanted to help. I needed to help my mother in New York city. So I, I decided I will become a nurse. So I went to a community college. Uh, I worked part time in two different places one i i worked for the uh college work study at uh at new york city community college and it's no longer new york city community college now it's technical new york technical college uh i became a nurse graduated passed my boards and went to work for uh health and hospitals corporation i worked at greenpoint hospital and i was uh i was uh uh staff builders uh, with an agency that carried that same name and with Apple, big Apple nurses also. I worked for them for a while. I used to do a lot of moonlighting. Um, um, I went on to, uh, I got married and, uh, in 1983 and in 86, I decided I wanted to come back to Puerto Rico. So I needed a job. So one morning, I was leaving. I already knew I was coming back to the island, and I was leaving my house, my, the the shift, the night shift. I worked for Jamaica Hospital at that time. I was an emergency room nurse, and there was a recruiter, so um, Sergeant First Class Robinson, and she said, "You wanna, you wanna come into the army?" And I said, "I have an associate's degree." She said, "You have an associate's degree from New York." uh in new york city community college it's is uh recognized as one of those colleges that we could we could give you a, a direct commission so went to the met station became a i was commissioned a second lieutenant once I moved over to the island i went on to get a bachelor's degree then i got a master's degree from from um central michigan university and I, I was a reservist then and I uh, I kept on with my um my uh, education as a army officer and um after ten years in the reserves I went into the National Guard. National Guard because it has uh, different missions, you know, I have a federal, a state and a community mission. and mm-hmm. you get more involved with uh serving. It's not just a federal mobilization you get mobilized by your by your governor uh you work with the community, so that really appealed to me
2: yeah um, you do things locally and you feel the impact. it's more motivating
0: it right. is it is you you do you do a lot of stuff um I went from being a clinical nurse to be in the XO, the executive officer for, for my unit. And in um, 2013, I was the first uh, female to become the chief of staff for the National Guard in Puerto Rico. Um, and two years later, I received that call from my governor asking me, uh, can you be the adjutant general for Puerto Rico? So I was like, what do you say (laughs) to your governor when he calls you and he says, can you serve? I said, of course I can. So I went on to uh, become the first Puerto Rican female to become a general officer. I became a general officer in 2015, and I served as the... Adjutant General for Puerto Rico since October of fourteen, still a colonel until I became then I became a general officer and I served until twenty seventeen. As the first Puerto Rican female to lead uh, to lead the National Guard and to become a general officer, so I'm really really proud of it.
3: Congratulations! Really really an amazing career. Could you tell you you were active duty in Kosovo? I and, was uh, in there, 2010. And so, tell us a little bit about yeah, that situation that like? and what 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 was the uh, the execution? That was it, actually Bill Clinton's foreign policy that led to a peace situation there. And uh, so, you were there on a peacekeeping, or tell us it was about a, it. it.
0: It's a, it's a peacekeeping uh, mission. It's still ongoing. The people of Kosovo love the United States, you know? Uh there's a big statue of Bill Clinton in the middle of a town in Kosovo, like downtown Kosovo, there's a big statue of, of President Clinton there. Um I was, when I was mobilized to Kosovo and... My, my
3: wife wants to know if his, were his pants on or off in the statue? Oh my God. She's asking oh for Oh my God. Oh, uh, oh. Pants on, pants pa- on. Pants on, okay, I was just checking, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> just ignore him, okay? <laughs> Meaning nah, Anthony. But when, not I was
0: there, uh, when I was there, Hillary Clinton visited with us, uh, and she's loved by everyone there also uh she was then the secretary of state so she was my own secretary then so um i went i went to work uh in the pristina section of uh of that mission there the us mission pristina used to be like a it was like the hollywood of kosovo mm-hmm. and after the war it became a military base Okay. Um, I was working at the NATO headquarters in Kosovo. I was the, I was the assistant to the chief of staff who was a one star general. I was then a colonel. And um uh General Gorsky, uh he was a tremendous uh, uh heck of a person and uh he gave me a lot of um a lot of what I have today in terms of how how I had to treat my my soldiers, my airmen, my civilians as a general, because he was a really, really, really good general and a real good boss. So I was there. I was in Kosovo for 11 months, and we worked with 32 different nations. There was a headquarters. They were all officers. So imagine 32 different nations working there under one roof. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we ran the operations and... Um my boss, General Gorski, he was the chief of staff for for that mission. And it works like that all the time. So the allies, one is the commander, then the deputy commander and US always has the uh, is the chief of staff for that mission there in Kosovo. Um every time this this uh the mayor uh, questioning of US leaving Kosovo, everybody just like the, the Kosovars, they go like crazy over no don't don't leave us. They really have gotten used to the US presence there.
3: Do you, have. Do you think, we'll always, you think we'll, we'll always have peace there now though? How do you feel about the stability of that area?
0: Well it's being that this uh NATO is there, you know, peace is is, is kept. There's, there's, a, there's a few incidents every day, there's places that get burned out, and uh, but it, it's peaceful, it's a beautiful country. Let me tell it's just too cold for me, I don't
2: like cold weather. <laughs> well, obviously, you're from the island, oh my God. So speaking of your beautiful island, how is it doing? Well, we're doing much
0: better after two years after the hurricane, uh, there's a lot being said about my island all over the world, mm-hmm. and most of the time, not not, in not a accurate. Good sense, but yep. but I always try to bring you know my my message that we are good people that uh, we love our island, we love our relationship with the United States. Um, we are we are citizens. We are born citizens since 1917. Mm-hmm. And uh just it's just that the things the bad things that a few people do affect the entire three point four million Americans mm-hmm. that live here. Mm-hmm. But uh we work every day to make it a better country and I'm sure, I'm sure we're gonna be again the enchanted island. I mean the beaches and the mountains and the valleys, they're they're all enchanted. It's just a few bad things but but i think we'll overcome that uh and uh, economy economics are bad the money wise is bad but we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get over it i'm sure i mean well you took a big, a big hit i mean well,
2: the hurricane really cost you quite a bit of money and i know that tourism is obviously a major thing anyone i know who's ever visited puerto rico says the that it's a beautiful place and the people are amazing so hopefully I mean I had somebody I was speaking to recently who went there I would say I don't know a month ago and he said where he went it was absolutely beautiful and completely intact so I guess there are yeah. parts that have been rebuilt or they weren't affected really as badly as no, some most
0: Most of the the hurricane went from one end to the other of the island so right. it, it touched, touched everything. the entire island right. that was the bad part and then uh, the grid, the electric grid, all went out. So mm-hmm. that's that's what made it so bad.
2: Yeah, it's devastating.
0: But, it was, uh, but uh, everything is mostly rebuilt. Uh, and again, you know, it, it the hurricane uncovered that deep part of any country that no one knows. Yeah, cause, I mean... If if you don't live in poverty, you don't know that there is poverty. Mm-hmm. So, being that the hurricane came and then the government, we only 100 by 35, but there is mountains, there is uh, people, uh, places that are isolated, like up on the mountains mm-hmm. and stuff. And the government really didn't know how those people lived.
2: Or right, how so it they kind of uncovered daily. and exposed everything, right? Yeah, yeah. So
0: those, so the hurricane exposed everything that was out there that that the rest of the island did not know. But I think we have recovered pretty well. Uh, everything is, like, back to normal. I mean, my world is back to normal. Okay. I'm sure there's people that have not gone back. but And a lot of people migrated, but they're coming back. There are already people coming back from the States. Because... There's, there's always been a lot of migration between the United States and Puerto Rico. People go, they stay there for a year, they come back. So, you know, when the when the government says uh, like 70,000 people left, they never count the people that come back. So I'm sure that, you know, and I hear it from people, oh, I'm going back, or, or people that say, I was there for six months and now I'm back, everything is back to normal. Mm-hmm. So we expect everything
2: to be normal soon. So thank you for that. Okay,
1: good. That makes me happy. That
0: makes me really happy. Um. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Um, so I have a question. For, this is uh-huh. on, on, in my mind. So when you went to be a nurse, so you had that in your mind. Uh-huh. But um, the, the whole military thing, is it something that was suited for you? Or did you have to adjust and make yourself be okay with it? Because it was something you felt like you needed to do, um, you know, for your mom and just in life to make it and make life you better for wanted- your family?
0: I always wanted to to be in the military. You
2: did, okay. So when right. I was,
0: I did, but when I was seventeen, and I took the aspect and I passed because I went to the math station, passed, and everything. Then I was overweight, so you can, you know, it's really hard to go on a diet when you're seventeen. Mm-hmm. So then or a lot of stuff came up. Or anything, me, and then I, Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't go in, and then my mother said, well, "No, just go to school. Forget about the military. You'll make it." And then I really joined the military when I was already thirty years old. Mm-hmm. That's when I came in. Um, but being a nurse, and being that it's, it's a profession that I it's a profession that I love because I like I said I wanted to be a doctor, but once I became a nurse, I knew that's what I wanted to do i wanted to serve um you have to be and and i am and i believe that i've I've been like that all my life i'm really structured about what i do so going into the military was not difficult for me because i'm used to following instructions i, I, I always was mm-hmm. and then have i become i became a nurse so a nurse has to take instructions, has to follow orders. Has, it's, it's, it's part of it, you know, it's, it, it just, and it grows in you. And we, when you really look at it, it's like it's my profession and my military service are both so linked because you must follow instructions. You must do stuff a certain way. You just don't go about. Uh, doing stuff your way, yeah. You don't have to create anything; it's there. It's there for you. Right. You just have to follow it. So,
2: and they're both mm-hmm. really important, and and a matter of life and death sometimes. So, they're both really serious jobs to have, and important ones exactly. too. I know. I just, right. I, it's very interesting when I talk to people and they say, "I always knew I wanted to do something," or "I always knew I wanted to be in the military." And I feel like that's like a gift in many ways because. Um, to have something so strongly inside of you from a, a young age is is special, you know, and, and to pursue it makes it really rewarding. I think, and you, so, you did so well.
3: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Vets Edu, though. How can people get involved?
0: Okay, Vets Edu. Um, Mike, Mike O'Heroni, Mike, my friend, uh, met me through um, through a, a, a friend of, of both of us that introduced us and uh, my friend Israel he said you know Mike I have someone that's going to help you do the outreach for your for your not-for-profit so Mike comes to Puerto Rico before the Hurricane Maria just like a month before that to visit me and to meet me and he says would you like to join my not-for-profit Well, you know how it is someone travels from New York to meet you because he wants you to work with him, a non-for-profit. You're like, hmm, what is this all about? Mm -hmm. Well, Mike really convinced me. Mike is a non-for-profit, comes out of Long Island, and and comes to the island and explains everything. It's a non-for-profit. We go around educating veterans, military, and their family on how to use the benefits that they get from being in the military, from being a veteran, from being active duty. Mm-hmm. The especially buying, home buying, home buying or home selling. So our VET CBU, we take the veteran, the active military, uh, guard or reserves from any branch, from any, um, from any service, and we take them from, From the first day that he wants to see a house, that he wants to sell his house. It could be either way. Until the last day, he either gets that key to the new home or the day that he turns in that key. Because sometimes, well, veterans, we get old too. (laughs) So we want to sell the house we want. So uh, Mike and I have been going around. We've been around the nation um, orienting veterans. Military, Guard, Reserve, Marines, Air Force, on how to fulfill the American dream of getting their own home. With the benefits that they earn, that no one gave them. They earned them with their sacrifice. They earned them with their work. And um, how to get the most out of that benefit. And... um, we always we always bring it to them. Use your benefit mm-hmm. because sometimes you could meet a realtor that doesn't really want to work with veterans because it's easier for them to do it the other way and give you other types of of um, of home loan. But we want all veterans, military, active duty, to use the benefit that they earn. Of course, they and deserve all, it. For us, veterans. It's ours, yeah, and it's a guaranteed loan. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're going to pay our loan, but it's guaranteed by the VA. Right. So we want or our military to use the benefits that they worked so hard for.
2: I totally agree. So,
0: and they, we've been doing that uh, now since uh, Mike was working on it before I came. I came on, but I'm um, his outreach. So anytime that that we can, we meet. I introduce them, I introduce Mike, I introduce the concept of how we do it, and we go around uh, to the yellow ribbons, we go out to where the soldiers meet, we go out to the armories, we go out to during their weekend drills, when they come back from deployment, when they go going on deployment, to help them use this benefit uh, to the max, to use all the benefits,
2: especially this one. Yeah, that's a good thing because a lot of times that can be really confusing, um, and there's so much um, like small detail that people just say, "Forget it. I'm just going to not even do that because I don't understand it and it's too much work." So that's a really good thing that you're doing. And um, so you're having an event actually um, soon, right before Thanksgiving um, in Queens, um, out here in New York City. Yep. Um, yeah, so we're gonna
0: have we're gonna have an event on.
2: It's November on twenty second. Yep. Yeah.
0: It's, it's Friday, November twenty seven, six thirty to ten p.m. Uh, it's going to be on Tavern on the Green and Queens Boulevard, and um, Vets Edu is going to honor all veterans, military, and first responders. But many first responders are also veterans. Yep. So. Um, well, the the event is uh, geared towards that, and um, again, being that it comes from a non-for-profit, this event called SPAN, it's SPAN for those that stood for you, and um, uh, whatever profits come from the dinner and the drinks and everything, there's going to be substantial donations to the military academies uh, around the nation, so... We invite everybody to be with us on the 22nd and traveling on the green um, and uh, for our dinner and honoring our veterans and first responders.
2: It's a very good time of year, appropriate time of year to say thank you to all of you who have served our country and sacrificed so much for us. So um, Anthony and I will um, will definitely will send you some love that way for your, for your project. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad that we got to speak with you. Hopefully, we'll actually get to meet you. And um, hopefully, from woman to woman, I say thank you. I think it's um, very impressive. Congratulations
3: on it. It's truly amazing.
2: Done in your life.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. I am
2: really, I'm so honored
0: that, you know, to have served and honored when people recognize uh, the sacrifices as. as a military, as a mother, uh, I have four kids. That's a One lot. That's a military that, that is in the military active duty, and I have three kids by marriage. And um, you know, it, that's a lot of sacrifices that the family makes also for, for a lot, uh, a lot for the veterans, for the soldiers.
2: I don't think there is actually a bigger sacrifice that. A family or an individual can make than to serve their country. I truly believe that. So, thank you for all you've done and for your son.
0: Thank you very much.
2: And um, we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and a a successful event.
0: Same to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity to speak.
2: Yes, thank thank you. And I want everyone to go to the website and check out vetsedu.org. Yes, please. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, check us out on social media. You can see Anthony's handsome face. And then um, we'll see you again next Tuesday. See ya.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?